Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me, as always, is Wheels Wienerker. Wheels, over the last month plus, we've discussed the 50th through 11th best, in your opinion, sports announcer calls of the last 35 years. Today, we are here to talk the top 10. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, if you didn't like this, you're excited because it's over, but I'm excited to get to the yeah. the good stuff. Best call since 1983, so there won't be a miracle on ice today. There won't be. I think that was a good uh, wrinkle. That I threw in that uh, it was post. I was like, how can I how can we not have Miracle on Ice win when it's clearly the best? And then when I thought like, oh, we just go post 1980. And then I realized, like, all right, let's just do 83 because that's when we were born. our lifetimes. It works. Perfectly. It works perfectly. Yeah. And then they're like, there's really yeah. nothing I'd like to hear after we're done. If there's something really egregious we've missed. Uh, I haven't heard anything yet. That's like anything. It's like I cannot believe that's not on there. It's like, oh, because that's in the top 10. I'd like to hear what, you know, listeners to maybe give us a uh, here that here the also receiving votes like the 10 that should have been. there. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure, if you're including the local radio calls, there's going to be a ton. Yeah. You know, I'm not interested, super interested in that. I mean, I'm, like, I'm just thinking of my teams like the Vikings painful losses have led to so many great meltdowns by Paul Allen on the local Vikings radio. I don't think we're going to have any of those in the top 10, which means we didn't have any of them in the top 50. It's interesting to. And in fact, we haven't really had any calls of the losing team like at all that's a good call we've either had the national call point. or we've had the, yeah but the, we uh, went local, mostly the... mostly national over local to begin with but that's a good call yeah um all right so why don't we jump right in because we have some uh some legendary calls here Let's start with number 10 all right so number 10 what can i actually you, you were talking about the losing team and the vikings before uh can i tell you i'm working on this football project can i can, I, can we talk football for like two minutes 1997 yeah. football so hmm. what do you remember 97 or 98 uh 1997 97, the Vikings' first playoff win in the Denny Green era. Yes, but Randall Cunningham comes in and beats the Giants. What do you remember? So I, I was I was doing my Barry Sanders entry, and I rewatched. Um, Is that the game where he had negative one yard or something against the Packers? No. So he has he has 13 carries for negative one yards against the Packers. I, I mentioned that in my Bryce Pop entry. That's not in. I, I figured it doesn't make <laughs> sense to like talk about, uh, uh, you know, how much Barry Sanders sucked in that one game. Uh, the weird thing about Barry Sanders that I think the kids won't remember is like he would frequently have 10 carries for two yards at halftime or something. And then he would just usually bust out, you know, a 50 yarder. And then it would look like, oh, you know, 11 carries, 55 yards. That's a fine, you know, first couple quarters. But he was stopped a lot. So anyway, in the Vikings Lions game, uh, you guys, do you remember this? It's the second to last game of 1997. I think you need still need a win to make the playoffs. 
if you remind me more, I mean, I obviously watched the game. So it, it's it's a cra- it's the Viking. The Lions have maybe the Lions are. I think the Vikings went nine and seven that season, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah. So the the Lions are eight and six with two games to go at Minnesota and then home against the Jets. Yeah, I'm looking. So the Vikings were eight and two, and then they lost five in a row. So yeah, they needed a win. Yeah, but well, but they didn't get it. So they shut down Barry Sanders like to an insane degree. He has he, he like he kept, he has like zero negative two zero negative like he, kept, he he they just keep running to Sanders on two on first and second down Scott Mitchell throws like a ball twenty feet over Herman Moore Brett Perryman's head and then they punt and the Vikings are leading the entire game and then eventually uh, Sanders does his thing and um, yeah spoiler alert he had one hundred and thirty eight yards so. yeah one hundred thirty eight but like. All on, on 19 carries. Yeah, but all on three. All of them on three. Like, he was literally, like, 13 for two at one point, and then... Yeah, but then, that that was what Barry Sanders did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and then he had 7.3 yards per carry for the game, so, you know, not a bad game, obviously. Um. So, but I, I'm trying to... Th- I, I wish I'd, like, taken notes for the game, but the, the Vikings lost in, like, the most painful way imaginable. I'm shocked you don't remember it. The whole game is on YouTube if you want to rewatch it. December fourteenth, nineteen ninety seven. But yeah. um, 14, thirteen Vikings fifth loss in a row. No, thank you. Yeah. So uh, uh, Scott Mitchell connects with Herman. The, the The Lions get down. I'd say here. Let me let me take you through the end of this game because the the Lions the Vikings lose this game like in thirty different ways, and then the yeah. next week. The worst Jet game of my life. The, the the Jets and the Lions are each nine and six. A rare interdivisional, basically playoff ma- game where the loser misses the yeah, playoffs. Which at nine won't and seven happen anymore. Won't ever happen anymore. Was you know it was probably only ha- the Jets knocked out the Giants once I think in eighty six, but I don't think the Jets also needed the win. Um, and the crazy thing about that game, people should check it out on YouTube. Is so Barry Sanders needs like hundred thirty something yards for two thousand. Barry Sanders had fifty yards after two games that year. Also, he had twenty and thirty in his first two games. So like two thousand was insane. He had two. He had he actually had two thousand yards in fourteen games. Exactly. Yeah. His final fourteen games, he rushes for exactly fourteen yards. Um, but wait. So the Viking game for a second. So so you guys, I think it's like it's tied. Um, you guys. Uh, Randall Cunningham fumbles, I think. Then, then um, the Vikings are winning thirteen to seven for like most of the game. Most of the game, uh, they they have a fourth down. John Randall, Randall is like a violent sacker. Also, I've been watching some John Randall. Like if you get sacked by John Randall, you feel it the next day. So Randall yeah. like like throws Scott Mitchell like cartoon style through the turf. There's like a there's like a cutout of Scott Mitchell in there. Uh, the Vikings go three and out again. And then late in the game, the Vikings are still yeah, winning. Had three sacks in this game. Yeah, the Vikings are winning thirteen to seven, and Eddie Murray has a chip shot to ice the game with two minutes left from thirty-seven yards. Yeah, and uh, and he misses. No, which net, the net, the following season, it's not like they'll have a field goal from that distance that right. goes wrong. Yeah, he misses like from thirty-seven. Yeah. Um, it's actually worse because the Vikings, I'm looking, the Vikings take the ball. The, uh, Mitchell throws an interception. The Vikings start a, uh, a drive with two and a half minutes to go on the Lions. On the 21 and don't score. Yeah, They gain nothing. Yeah, they get zero points. Yeah. They run off less than a minute of clock. Yes, it's crazy. They, they yeah. have a terrible pass interference call against them. And then Mitchell connects on fourth and goal from the one instead of running with Sanders, which would not have worked. He didn't gain a yard all day, you know, on, on a and one type play. Uh, they he, he hits... Um, Herman Moore. He hits Herman Moore. By the way, the last play of the game, 
Um, the guy just looking at the pro football reference. Um, what Cunningham throws a hail mary. Cunningham throws a hail mary. It's knocked away by Reggie Brown. Reggie Brown gets paralyzed the next game against the Jets. People forget that's the Lions oh, wow. had two players paralyzed in the nineties. Mike Otley in the early nineties. People remember, I think, a little more. And then Reggie Brown in the late nineties. So the next game, the same thing. The Jets lead the Lions the whole game. Each team needs the playoffs to 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 make it. This is Bill Parcells' first year. Neil O'Donnell, who Parcells loathes, is the quarterback. So he's. You know, he had brought in Foley, but but uh, but Foley got hurt. So Ray Lucas, do you remember Ray Lucas, who's now like an analyst for the for yeah, like yeah, the Jets? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Ray Lucas, uh, who was an athlete, uh, you know, a quarterback from Rutgers, who who was not uh, never really developed. Now he probably played quarterback, but that back then he was like more of an athlete, third quarterback. He throws an interception. O'Donnell throws an interception, and then late in the game, the Jets are driving, and Leon Johnson, their their great uh, kick returner and third down back. Gets a gets a halfback pass and throws a horrific interception into the end zone, but the Lions cornerback Bryant Westbrook is lying fully out of bounds when he catches it. Like sixty percent of his body, his entire back is just lying out of bounds for like five seconds, right in front of two referees. They don't call it. There's no instant replay till ninety nine. The announcers are going bananas. Like this makes no sense. And but there's no way to overturn it. It's like the worst. Watch it. It's the worst call you've ever seen. It's insane. Um. And then, the, uh, I think if you watch mid '90s football again, every game has three just atrocious calls. Atrocious like calls, and it's like there's people just love to complain about instant replay now, but they forget how bad it was before. And I think the refs are better. I just think the refs are, are more professional now. It's so frustrating. It's also, by the way, our TVs are so much better that it's so much clearer. When oh yeah, it's a call now, so they have to be better. Yeah. So event. So Sanders keeps getting stuffed. He's at like 1997, 1998. He had remember he had nothing, but then he broke out with like a couple 50 and 40 yarders in the second half. To, to have a drive then on third and two third and three he gets two yards they stuff him and then they they um he he, he eventually gets he, he gets the 2000 and then he on the last play of the game to ice the game he runs for 53 yards which gives him exactly 2000 over the last 14 games of the year but really like i was crying afterwards it's the worst loss of any sport in my life the jets had 50 opportunities to win the game they were so, so much they missed better. the playoffs because of that they missed the playoffs because of they threw a, a running a backup running back threw an interception on first and goal from the nine yeah. or ten that was not even who's close to being caught and who's your coach no, it was the first year of Parcells. Parcells, uh, the story goes that Parcells hated Neil O'Donnell so much that he didn't want him to throw, like, the winning pass in the game. Wait, Parcells was never the head coach of the Jets for a game. I thought it was just for a few minutes in the offseason. No, you're talking about, Be- you're thinking of Belichick. Oh, sorry, sorry Belichick, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So, no, Par- so Belichick's the defensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Parcells sorry, is the coach. And, yeah. and, and, like, they have, you know, they're going to, worst case, they're going to tie the game because they have the ball at the 9 or 10 yard line. And and he throws this, yeah. you know, they, and the running. It's one of these running backs are like don't throw it because there's only three lines in the end zone. Everyone should watch the play on YouTube. It's bananas, and it, it is it is the worst call you've ever seen in your life. It's astonishing how bad it is. Uh, and imagine like not being able to do anything. And the Jets are famously the the uh, big winners of no instant replay '98 when Vinny Testaverde has the phantom touchdown. You know when he doesn't even come close to scoring. Do you remember this play? The Vinny John, no. Vinny, you don't remember the Phantom touchdown? YouTube right now, Vinny Testaverde, Seahawks touchdown. I cannot believe you don't know this play. It's like a famous play that brought back instant replay. So 98, the Jets are very good, but they're they're trailing Pete Carroll's, no, Dennis Erickson, excuse me, Seahawks. um, Late in the game, the Jets have fourth and goal from the five. Are you searching for this play? Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Let's watch. I cannot believe you don't know. I'm, I'm not watching, but I cannot believe you... Testaverde sneaks it up the middle. Yeah. So 
So I this I was at this game, but it's the opposite end zone. We had seats in the end zone, and and this is uh, all the way away. So I had, I did not know until the, the now it looked it looked from the naked eye on the play that he did score. Yeah, but replay show he barely gets to the one. Let's see. It's crazy how not close he doesn't get. That's on fourth down? Yeah, fourth and goal. It's the worst play call ever. What a ballsy play call. Yeah, and Vinny yeah, was not short. a scrambler. He's definitely short, by the way. Alex, nobody's ever argued that he scored. He doesn't even get to the one, I don't think. <laughs> well, nobody. I mean, the referees did. Yeah, the referees did argue. But I didn't know that he didn't score. I thought it was just, oh, you know, a little controversial, but, like, there was no instant replay. But then you get, in the, the stadium, yeah. you get in the car, you know, where they don't, they're obviously not going to replay that play, uh, you know, as a Jet home game, and uh, that was exciting. Anyway, so let's let's get into number ten. But yeah, the Lions. I'd say they they can't win if you play those games. I know it's only two coin flips. If they play this game ten thousand times. They they don't win both of them except for that scenario. You know, the Lions are just a blessed franchise. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to uh, jump into number ten? Okay. So number ten, uh, I think was supposed to be like eleven last week, but um, we got copyright struck, so I flipped ten and eleven. But this is a great call. Uh, this is the Olympics. I didn't. I didn't go Olympics crazy, even though I'm an Olympics guy. Uh, but this is a, a clearly great call. This is a famous moment, right? Very this famous is where, moment. This is where Michael Phelps is trying to set the record, and he needs his teammates' help. Yes, yes. You explained it so well. So Michael Phelps is going for eight gold medals, um, but he really needs uh, he, like the top, some of them are absolute locks. This is, I believe, the second of eight races, but also one of the two races where it's going to be extremely hard. Were the French like the co-favorites coming in? Uh, the French are the French are favorites. Uh, you, you know, you work at the times. The French are our favorites. Uh, it's pretty close, but um, the you know outside of Phelps, like the bo- the bottom of the of the French team is is a little deeper than the bottom of the U.S. team. But also, Lezak is Jewish, isn't he? Yes, by the Jason Lezak, who's about to race. So it's also one of the U.S. weaker swimmers against the Fr- uh, France. Use their best swimmer, Lane Bernard in the anchor spot fourth, whereas the U.S. decided to, like, oh, let's just, like, try and, ha- you know, go out really fast. So then Lezak maybe is the slowest of the four. He was not winning medals in – he wasn't re- qualifying for, you know, the 100-meter, 200-meter freestyle, like, individually. So well. isn't that weird to put him in the fourth position? Well, that's what I'm saying. They, you know, it was an interesting strategy. He's a veteran. Now, is there a coach? Is it a captain? Like, does Phelps decide this? Who decides No. This? Oh, there's, like, tw- – oh, yeah. New U.S. swimming is a real operation. Very serious. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's, there's – there's many coaches in U.S. swimming. I mean, this is, you know, talking about... But there's the, got to be one person who ultimately... Oh, yeah, yeah. US, there's a head coach of U.S. swimming, of course. But, okay. I mean, U.S. swimming is the most successful Olympic operation of any country, any sport. Like, there's, you know, there's okay. a lot There's a lot of, you know, people making these decisions. You know, they're, they're making 30... Right, they're winning the 30 Olympics, medals. right? This is, no, this is the 2008 Olympics. 2008, excuse me. Oh, this is Beijing. Oh, my brother was yeah. there. Yes, this is 2008 I mean, not Beijing. at this event, I don't think. But um, and so uh, two twenty seven, you're up, right? Let's let's yep. uh, let Rowdy Gaines. All right. So uh, are we watching? Are we watching the? Is it the final lap of the final racer? What are we watching? Uh, so I, the the whole call is so good for uh, a really long time. But let let uh, I'll we'll get into it. I don't know. This was copyright struck, so I just had to to uh, find a, a new version. But I believe what we're going to do is we're going to watch the third swimmers finish, and then it's one. It's back and forth. It's it's two, you know. It's one length of the pool each way, so we're okay. we're gonna watch. You know, so we're starting. watching the third swimmer finish, and then and then the and then, and then Lezak the versus Elaine Bernard. Yes. Okay. All right. All right let's Tell get me when the press play. Jason Lezak is gonna have to make up some ground. 
on a Lane Bernard who stands six feet five and can absolutely. This is freestyle. They're each swimming as fast as they can. They can, do it. They can swim whatever they want. Right. What? Freestyle, you can swim whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's the fan. It's not. It's not a medley. And it, yeah. and at this point, they've the announcers have written the U.S. up. Fourth place is on world. I mean, he's way behind here. Yeah, close. <laughs> Disappointed Frenchies. 4606 split for Lezak. What a clutch, fast swim when they needed it. I think it would have been like the world record if he hadn't, you know, it doesn't count if you don't start the race. Uh, now, the explanation is that Lezak, or that the French guy, tries to do one extra half. Like Yes, um, the French guy gets caught, basically. It's funny because even when they say he's catching up, it's not super close. Right. It's still like it's still at that point. At that point. Yeah. It's still it's it's not close. And remember, the announcers have already written them off. But yeah, uh, what happens is yeah, Bernard and Phelps is, I think, the beneficiary of this sim- a similar thing a second time where it's like he makes w- with cabbage like he makes a um, he makes a move. But he like he, his stroke gets him, you know, 80 percent of the way there. And then he has to do a whole nother stroke. And in that time. Lezak wins. I mean, the announcer, they also have really good eyes. Like, it's its not so clear at any point that Lezak is going to win, even after he wins. Um, yeah, you only know because of the computer announcing it. Yeah, and so th- there was, if I had played the extra minute, which we did not have access to, they're talking about how, like, Bernard is doing insane trash talking. Like, they were just absolutely smack talking and guaranteeing victory, the French, against the U.S. Like, it was obvious to them that they were going to win. During we mean as the guys are swimming. No, 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 no. Like in the in the in the, in the yeah in the lead up to the Olympics. Like they they were this was like the race of the Olympics. They thought they would win. They knew that they just needed to be close to Lezak to to win it. And then and then you know he once they have the lead by a, a decent margin, you figure it's over. Bernard is you know is I don't remember if he won this event in individual, but he's he's up there. Um, yeah, that's a great moment in uh, Jewish sports history. Also, Jason Lezak, a, a Jewish guy. And wasn't Dara, what's her name, who was in four Olympics as a swimmer? She was also Jewish, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, Dara Torres. Yeah, well, she was in a lot of Olympics. Yeah, yeah she, she came back in her 40s. Um, all right, so that was fun. That was Dan Hicks, Rowdy Gaines. I also like that he says, like, unbelievable, at the end, he did it. He did it. And then the, the Rowdy Gaines, the color commentator, just yells he did it. Like, that's what you should do. Like, uh, do you believe in miracles? The, the, if there is a color commentator there, he's just like, yeah, miracles. Do you believe in them? Like, just repeat what the guy said. That's the, that's a great call for the for the announcer. Yeah, it's it's a great moment. The call's not that amazing. I think the call's really good. I think because they, if you have the whole two minutes, like they paint the picture really well. Uh, it's like a goosebumps moment, the unbelievable at the end. I disagree. I think it. I think it is a really good call. I think if it's not swimming, you could. It's even. I got goosebumps though. watching it, but I don't know if it's because of the call or just because of the you know. I mean, the most the most iconic moment I think is the Phelps flexing. Yes. And, like joyous celebration. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like the still shot of that is more famous, I think, than any audio. Yeah, play. that's true. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Uh, All right. Okay. So let's get to number nine. Number nine. We are going back to Europe. Um, 
Yeah. Is this is this our last soccer one that we'll see? No, I don't think so. Uh, no, we have more one, soccer. One more soccer time. after this, but this is the last one in Europe. Um, okay, so four twenty-three. All right, so let me paint the picture. Okay, it's the twenty twelve uh, Premiership. It's the end of the season, and it's the final day. Manchester United, and Manchester City, are both trying to. Uh, they're both vying. You know, usually it's wrapped up beforehand, uh, but here it is going back and forth all day. British people, I've said on the podcast, are, are very bad at sports math. They don't have a lot of statistics <laughs> like baseball. So even to do like, all right, this team needs to win, but if they tie, then what do they need to do is always way above the head of any British announcer. I say this from 30 years of watching European sports. They act like it's, you know, doing insane calculus just to just to try and figure out all the permutations. Like if they ever had like, a, you know, these five teams must like lose or tie for the, you know, Detroit Lions to make the playoffs at eight, seven and one, their heads would absolutely explode. Anyway, yeah. so. In the, we're going to be watching the Manchester City game. The Manchester United game is like a, a few seconds ahead in terms of ending. They're going to win, meaning they win the league if Manchester City ties. And Manchester City is tied 2-2, 93 minutes into their game. There's five minutes of stoppage time, so there will be um, there will be about two minutes left to, to the Man City game. And they're playing Queen. Who are they playing again? They're playing QPR, Queen, Queens Park Rangers. Okay. So they need a goal. In order to win the Premier League. Yes. Now, I didn't play this whole clip. Now, is this is, is this before Man City? Is this like Man City's first title? Yes, Brad? this is Man City's first title. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, I'm going to... They, they had sort of come out of nowhere in the previous couple seasons. To, like, Manchester United... Well, they didn't come out... I mean, they came out of nowhere in the sense they were bought by somebody really rich. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Man, but, but, Man City but, needs like, to they, win. Become like, but Manchester United had, had just contr- had utterly controlled that, that rivalry for years. I mean, Man, Man City fell out of the Premiership even. Yeah. And, and now they have a chance to, you know, to, to grab, n- not just win the Premier League, but grab it from Manchester From United their hated rivals. Team. Now, okay, so now we're not going to listen to the whole thing, but Manchester City is down 2-1, and they score at the beginning of, of stoppage time. Oh, so they've already scored a goal. So they've the scored a goal. Minutes. Yeah, they scored a goal 91 so minutes into the game. So they need two goals in less than five minutes, yeah, and they, they, just need, got, they already got one. They already got one, okay. uh, and we are at uh, 4.23, right? Okay, let's watch right now. QBR fans are jumping up and down. Maybe there's more news, more favorable news for them. So obviously the home fans are rooting for Manchester United, who have just won one nothing. Yeah, so Manchester United has just won. Very upset, Wayne Manchester Rooney. United gets no time to celebrate. Their game ends, and within moments they find out. Yeah, it's very cool that it's split screen. It's live. It's a great idea that soccer had that the NFL adopted of of like playing all the final season's games at the same time. Basically, it's a great moment. I actually think the announcer almost ruins it. You'll never see anything like this. Watch it. Drink it yeah, in. Yeah, you hate when he says it. No, but the Aguero goal call is amazing. No, the Aguero. You hear the, the ball goal hit call the net. Is amazing, but after it, he's like, "Watch it." We're watching. Yeah, it. yeah. Drink it in. You, are you drinking it in? Yeah. I mean, they like to drink. Well, I mean, I, I like the uh, the reference to Anchorman. As a, as a sports fan, but not a diehard. You die don't ho- need to tell us this is history being written. Like we know yeah. these things. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. 
as a diehard uh, sports fan, but not necessarily a diehard uh, English soccer fan. So Liverpool is going to win uh, a very rare title this year. I love the QPR guy, by the way, running yeah. in and kicking it himself right after. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's what you got to do every time they score. Get mad at the yeah. ball. It's the ball's yeah. ball. So uh, sure. wh- what do you think? Should Liverpool be named the champion if uh, if they don't continue the EPL? I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan. I w- so here's the thing. To me, it's crystal clear and obvious, yes, I might be biased I'm a Liverpool fan. If it's an American sport, it's different because American sports don't give the title to the team right. winning the regular right. season. Right. Nobody's going to be named the champion this year. We have year, playoffs. But there's no playoffs. Like The Premier League winner is whoever has the most points at the end of the regular season. Yeah, but are we only also, saying it's obvious? Also, Liverpool's because... up by so much. It's not even like it was. It's not even like. Yeah, but well, w- should that matter? Games. Of course, that's true that Liverpool is going to win. But should that matter? Like, let's say it was going to be. Let's say you know they were winning by one. Would you consider them the champions? What still? I'm saying is, if they were winning by one point, then you could make an argument. Well, there were four matches left, and second place, let's say Man U, had an easier schedule. Like, then you can argue all those hypotheticals. In this scenario, Liverpool had already won. So yeah. they've, they've won. There's no disputing that they've won. It's sort of you take away the, 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 the joy because it's sort of this anticlimactic celebration eventually. But, yes, of course they won. They won the Premier League in 2020. Okay. But uh, I don't know. I don't think they're giving it to them. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. But, um, well, in terms of the consequences of winning, like in terms of the Champions, Champions League and all that stuff, obviously they will have been considered the winners. Say that again? In terms of, like, the Champions League, they will have been considered. They're the not sure. They don't well, know. I do mean? The Champions League is – so how's the Champions League decided? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I mean, obviously that makes sense, but they, they are certainly not committing to that. They're not sure. Yeah. I mean, Manchester well, City is also banned from the Champions League, speaking of Man City. They, yeah. They have a punishment, so. Um, yeah, Liverpool won as far as I'm concerned. I, I mean, I don't think – I mean, they certainly were going to win. Uh, it's annoying. Yeah. Germany is starting. Spain is starting. I think Italy was harder hit. I don't know what their deal is going to be. I, have, I don't know if the EPL is going to restart. Yeah. It's funny, uh, though, all these sports, eight. there's no sports, but, like, I still will not watch the Bundesliga. Like, it's just not uh, – I love soccer, but, like, the the bad teams in Germany are just so bad. It's so top-heavy. Well, but, I mean, so is La Liga. Yeah, no, of course. You only, in La Liga, yeah. the only teams worth watching are, are Madrid and Barcelona. Everyone yeah, knows La that. Liga's a Kleiner, man, I can tell you. Like, every contract, yeah, yeah the, <laughs> those two teams are, like – It's only those teams. Shoulders like, above the rest. once in a while you'll get a team – when I was a kid, they would be, like, Deportivo, La Coruña, or, or – uh, yeah. Like Valencia, but you, I mean, and, and Athletic Madrid is great. Like the best, the third best team in Spain could still be competitive in the Champions League, but uh, Germany, you know, although Germany does have the new, um, what's it called? The Red Bull team that, uh, that, that is, you know, with money became very good all of a sudden. So it's not just Bayern Munich, but the, the bad teams of Germany are just useless. Anyway, uh, we haven't had a ton of hockey on this clip, but we're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, 1994. Famous clip. How much do you remember this as a as a non New Yorker who is not yet living in New York? I know the clip. I have no idea the contents context. Okay, so we are in double overtime. Rangers Devils hated rivalry. Martin Brodeur, Mike Richter, ninety four Eastern Conference Finals. Howie Rose on the call. WFAN six sixty in New York. Uh, remember, Mark Messier guaranteed that the Rangers would win Game Six, famously, and they did. So they won game six, and now it's... So this is game seven. Now this is game seven. We're in double OT. Are we in OT or what? Double OT. Double OT, okay. okay. Matisov for the Devils plays it cross ice into the far corner. Matteau swoops in to intercept. Matteau behind the net. Swings it in front. He's down! Matteau! 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 Defend Matteau! And the Rangers have one more hell to climb, baby! But it's Mount Vancouver! The Rangers are headed to the final! 
That's a fantastic, amazing call, call. amazing call. And it's like, there's no way he had that. Did he have that plan? It's Mount Vancouver, which is a real mountain. One more hill to climb. That's a great call, Howie Rose. Uh, Do you know anything about Howie Rose? No. So Harry Rose has been the Mets radio announcer for decades. Um, he is like uh, just absolutely, you know, lives and dies with the Mets. Absolutely loves the Mets. Knows everything about them. A little bit of a nerdy guy, but uh, you know, he like he looks like he's still in the 1980s a little bit. Like joined Twitter, I think, during the pandemic for the first time. But he, uh, you know, like both the Mets announcers, Gary Cohen, who used to be a radio guy and now now is their TV guy, like. Can, you know, basically are, are like legit Met nerds who know every single thing about the team, you know, since the 1980s. Uh, and have also embraced, you know, uh, especially Gary's case, uh, you know, analytics and, and they're, you know, the best of the best. All right. Number seven, it's Sunday night. And for the first time in like six weeks, uh, we're not talking about Michael Jordan. But number seven, uh, people will be uh, very familiar with from last week. Uh, this is Bob Costas, Bulls Jazz, RIP Jerry Sloan. A lot of people did not know Jerry Sloan was a bull, right? As a player, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I mean his numbers retired as a bull. Like that's you know he was a shooting guard who would average like seven, eight rebounds a game. Uh, yeah. He was a, he was like the Tom Gola of his era, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a guy from the fifties. So no one knows who I'm talking about, but <laughs> he's a shooting guard. Who's got lots of. Who is the shooting guard now uh, who gets a lot of? I mean, I guess Harden, but like who who but. Trying to think of a, a guy who's not really a great passer, but yeah, I'm talking, but I'm talking about a guy who as, averages like 14 and eight, and there's nobody like that. A shooting guard. Like Tom Gola would average 15 points, 10 rebounds a game as a shooting guard in the 50s, and then Jerry Sloan did the same thing in the 70s for I'm the Bulls. Think, you kind of had a guy, Daniel Hamilton, who would get like nine rebounds a game as a shooting guard, and I thought like, oh, that's a transferable skill to the NBA, but he really has only played like 20 or 30 games in the league. But I don't know. Usually, mm. I love guards who could rebound. That's that's always a, a favorite of mine. Yeah. All right. So let's. Uh, but doesn't that mean that they're just like they're not out on the three point line, so they're not shooters? Uh, I think they just have a skill for rebounding. My opposite pet peeve is big men who are like slightly bad, at re- not like terrible, but I always I hate that big man who's like eighteen point eight and seven. You know? Yeah, like guy, Brooke Lopez. A Brooke Lopez type. Well, Brooke Lopez is very unusual. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like even like Ewing. Sometimes his rebound totals would be a little low. Um, no, Ewing was a fine rebounder. Who was? He was fine, but I'm trying to think who was a guy, a big man. Who, Bob McAdoo. McAdoo was a bad rebounder. Um, I don't know. Goog- but again, I don't know if he was a bad rebounder as much as he was shooting 20 footers, so he wasn't near the basket so much. Yeah, maybe good googly out of but he was more a little bit more of a three than a four. I'm trying to think. Like, all right, he'll come to me. Up. Yeah, I, I would say um, towards the end of his career, um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the mid to late 80s. Yeah, I, Weber towards the end of his career, I think, became a bad rebounder also. But this is all just from memory. I'm not sure. All right, yeah. Um, let's tell me when to press play. Everyone knows what we're we're talking. By the about way, here. I went back in the, the last week. I went back and I and I ranked the if they were making a, a, in a dream team like the twelve best players in the NBA every single year. Yes, and I did this based purely on stats, so not at all based on team performance or anything. Like or that. So who I had Michael Jordan allows on the, the team. Chester All Star teams. No, no, no. I just I just did the twelve best statistical players every year. So again, what did you do? The twelve best Americans. No, no, I, I, I'm not doing literally the Dream Team. I'm just saying I was actually doing it from Game of Zones. So Game of Zones, uh, spoiler alert, is the Dream Team comes back, and so they have to pick the 12 best living players to go play the Dream Team from 92. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, it's Giannis. It's players from any country. Well, so I asked you this question because um, for many, many, many years, uh, the team would have been 12 Americans. Occasionally a Gasol or somebody would have slipped through. 
Yeah. So now I'd like to hear, because the U.S. was going to have a big problem, you know, even with, you know, obviously last year with the World Championships, they couldn't get anybody to play. But even at full strength, they're never going to have the best player on the floor. And in the past, they've never not had the best player on the floor. Because of right? now, you're saying. I, I'm, how about this? Let me ask you a question. I mean, it's not so crystal clear that Giannis is better than LeBron in like a one-game oh, situation. Okay, fine. But I don't, I don't, it also wasn't crystal clear that LeBron was going to play in the Olympics. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many yeah. times before this decade would a European player have made the dream team? Well, so I can year? tell you because I, I'm looking at my list of, of the, all the players who ever made the team. Yes. And going all the way back to 1947, I have a total yeah. of 212 players. Okay. And so I'm going to scroll down to the one. Peja Stoyakovic makes it once. Okay, but not, a, not as a starter. No, but he's one of the 12 guys on the team. Okay. Yeah, I'm scrolling up to see any other uh, guys, non-Americans, who made it. Oh, Andre Kirilenko makes it once. Okay, but also probably is like the 11th man on the team. Yeah, something like that. Manu Ginobili makes it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luka Doncic makes it this year, of course, but, you know, we're talking about how things are very different now. Yeah. Still going up. I'm looking at the one-timer still. Okay, we're, um, Vucevic made it last year. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Now, who um, made it this year? I, and I guess the Gasols are the other. Tony Parker or maybe the yeah, Gasols. Yeah, hold on. I'm sc- uh, Joel Embiid. And Dirk. Uh, in the last couple of years, uh, which other non-Americans uh, have made it? Now I'm up to the three-timers club. Yao Ming made it three times. Oh, wow. Not an American, of course. I'm not positive about the nationality of all these guys from the 50s and 60s, but I assume they're all Americans. No, they're all Americans, I think. Yeah. I, I don't uh, so think Jok- was So ever... Jokic, of course, has made it the last number of years. I don't think there was ever a non-American rookie of the year until, like, very recently, and now there hasn't been... There's, I think Brogdon's been the only American rookie of the year. Paul Gasol's made it... Uh, Paul Gasol made it four times. Giannis yeah. has made it the last four times. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Now we're up to the five-timers oh, club. Ju- yeah, there shouldn't who, who, be anybody. Unless Dominic Marcus Wilkins, who, you know, technically born in France, made it six times. No, he, play, he, would, he Ameri- played for the U.S. Yeah, yeah. But he's an American citizen, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Duncan Elijah one don't count either. Yeah, and then are we up to the uh, eight, the nine-timers club? Nobody's going to be there. Um, no, it's not, yeah, we're not going to have any uh, Just Dirk. There. Just Dirk. I yeah, don't Dirk Nowitzki makes it 11 times. Yeah. And um, But tell, tell, tell us this year's team. And then Elijah one, of course, who yeah becomes an American, makes it 13 times. So the the 16-time club is Malone, LeBron, and Kareem, which means that next year LeBron would be all alone is in the 17-time club. Duncan, by the way, right behind them at 14. Mm-hmm. So this year's team – so again, I'm doing it purely statistically, and I'm not doing it based on – you know, total games played. It's it's per game numbers. So Carl Anthony Towns is on this team because right. you know he's putting up ridiculous numbers, even though he missed half the season. And you know, but yeah. So the starting five I have is it, it, well, it's 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 the best players in the league right now. So it's it's Davis, Giannis, LeBron, and then Doncic and Harden in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And then of course Curry and Durant are injured, so they're not on this team. And then and so then Kawhi's the first guy off the bench. Uh, Dame Lillard, Jokic, Cat, Embiid, Trey Young. You know who I think stinks, stinks, but he's putting up ma- massive numbers. Mm-hmm. All right, but that's not what we're here for. Let's get to uh, Michael Jordan's uh, final moments as a Chicago Bull. So this is number seven on your list, right? Uh, this is number seven. So uh, we're starting. We're starting with the Jazz have the ball. Yeah, they're up one. There's 30 seconds to go. Correct. All right, tell me when to press play. Jordan with 43. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. Jordan with the steal. No timeout is called. Almost walked. 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six. Jordan. Push off. Open. Chicago with the lead. 
Timeout, I'd say Utah. who coach Rodman, Pippen, and Kerr. Two seconds left. Michael Jordan. None of them even had their hands up. Like none of them with even considered points. the idea that they were going to get the At ball. The end of the game, you gotta get <laughs> They're it out basically of standing hands. out of bounds. Jordan frees himself up for a clean look. The greatest thing about Jordan is he has all the tricks. That's why it's so difficult to shut up, him. Isaiah. Finally, if that's comes the ball. last image of Michael Jordan. How magnificent is it? Wait, is Isaiah? Is Isaiah the uh, the play-by-play -play guy here? I mean, the, the color commentator? Isn't it Isaiah and Doug Collins? Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's what it sounds like. But, it, you know, we remember Bob Costas' line, if that's the last image of Michael yeah. Jordan. But that actually doesn't come till really late because Isaiah gives like a 20-second, you know, quote-unquote analysis. You got to get the ball yeah. out of Michael Jordan's hands. Well, thanks for that. You What's know, funny, I'm surprised Jordan didn't have enough pull to have Isaiah not be the announcer. <laughs> because Doug Collins is his, is his original coach, right? Doug Collins, I think he... Unless he you think Jordan is deciding who is the NBC callers here? I don't think he is, but I think he could have and probably should have. I don't um, think he hated Isaiah that much. He didn't I mean, it's Isaiah has to... It's not like Isaiah's trashing him. Isaiah's busy talk, you know, complimenting him, I think, so... Let's if just say anything, it makes sense Isaiah did not last long. rival to swallow his words, you know, to, to have yeah. to, to praise him. It makes sense that Isaiah It's like Mordecai leading Haman through the streets, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone all right, You've been all about the home runs. You've had every home run record on our list. You've had Barry Bonds hit 73. You've had Barry Bonds hit 755, 756, excuse me. Yeah. So we have Mark McGuire's 62 next. But a lot of people wanted this on the list. This was the most requested of them. Well, this one has to be on the list, yeah. Uh, yes. You know, the Bonds ones in, in 2001, you know, is after 9-11. And then by the time he hit 756, everybody hates him. Um, so neither one of those was an iconic moment. But this was like just a massive, massive moment. Everybody And this. they're making, a, I think it was in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a, a 30 for 30 on McGuire and Sosa. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. That was, I had just moved to, I moved to New York City, to Washington mm -hmm. Heights, actually, which is mm -hmm. heavily Dominican. In um, in August, I guess, of 1998, and so every time Sosa hit another home run, the the, the city would just explode. There was such joy. That's very. And cool. I, I always hated McGuire, and I was rooting for Sosa also. I was rooting uh, for McGuire. I was rooting for McGuire. Well, yeah, because you hate. <laughs> no, <laughs> I just why? I wasn't a Cubs guy. I didn't like the Cubs. Oh, I I uh, just I don't know. Sosa seemed like such a lovable, friendly guy at the time. No, everybody liked both of them. I wasn't anti Sosa. I was just oh, rooting was for McGuire. Break the record. Um. I think uh, history probably neither of them are, are you know yeah, monsters, but neither of them are great guys. Yeah. All right, tell me when the press play. Steve it's Traxel crazy that, like, on the how hill. Sosa, like even the like the Cubs like don't embrace Sosa anymore, so not ideal. Yeah, it is a little weird. Barely gets it. Gets the touch first base. It's the shortest home run of the year, famously. Yeah. But like his body, he looks like a cartoon. Oh, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, he has needles coming out of him. It's, it I didn't remember this. A guy does run onto the field, but unlike in the 70s, he gets corralled way before. Oh, yeah, he gets, yeah. He's still yeah. in jail. Uh, it's just crazy. He hugs, I assume that's Scott Cervais. Yeah. The, he, I mean, he every single Cub, like he stops and talks to them on the home yeah. run trot. It is yeah. the Cubs are excited that he did this, which sort of makes sense. Oh, it's except great, he, is, he does it with Sosa on the field. It's amazing. It's amazing, except he is competing. Like in theory, like the Mets or the or the you know Dodgers would be should be more excited because they had no for the know, wild card dog yeah. in the fight. They're they're competing with each other playoffs and for the home run race. What does Sosa have at this point? Like fifty six. Here's the thing: like so McGuire and Sosa do the famous fist bump thing. They have a whole handshake. 
they're hugging and kissing for like five minutes, like legitimately meaningful hugs, right? How do they know each other? Like, did they know each other and never played together? Well, they've been playing in all-star games and stuff. Now he goes to hug the Marises. Yeah, that's a nice touch. Are the Maguires there when Bonds breaks it? I can't imagine. <laughs> Maguires like grandparents. Yeah. So what? And this is uh, just for people who don't know. He breaks it on August. Uh, excuse me, on September eighth. Now I gotta say the call. There's not that much to the call. Yeah. But there doesn't need to be. I think Buck is fine here. But he. But the uh, he hits it uh, an octave higher than you know certainly than Buck normally does, and he goes for a little. Especially longer. this is an early Buck. Early Buck does not emote very much. Not emote at all. I think now which he's, he's talked he, about. He gives His a speech on the great, field. The we don't do that much. We don't. Yeah, I heard a couple episodes. He he um, he gives a speech. I don't see a lot of on the field speeches. Um, yeah. I really like Joe Buck. I really like his podcast. Yeah, I Joe Buck is. Kate, as, I didn't know Oliver Hudson, Kate Hudson's brother, who's yeah. uh, who does it with him. But I enjoy. It. They've had good guests, and they, yeah, he it's, never it's, mentions it's, that he's Kate Hudson's brother, other than yeah. very frequently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every five seconds, yeah. He mentions Kurt Russell's his stepdad. He mentions the whole family nonsense. Kurt Russell's essentially his dad, I think. I, I believe yeah, yeah. Oh, he, he his is. father yeah. is. But is, I'm looking at this list. Uh, we have so we have Joe Buck at six, and we have uh, Joe Buck at five, and then uh, yeah. Joe Buck. No, uh, no spoilers. Reached, yeah. yeah. So yeah, we got a lot a, of Joe a Buck. very Buck heavy. Um, all right, so let's, let's go to, to number five. five. Yeah, the number most five, important moment in your life. I have seen. I, I mean, I, I we had a podcast shortly thereafter, and I told you it was the greatest moment of my life. Yeah. I've watched number five in every permutation literally hundreds of times. Like, literally. Um, I'm I'd say one so, of the great regrets of this podcast is that Dr. Jen was famously filming you, and you sort of scared her away, and she left the house even. Yeah. Uh, no, it, had, it's a regret for me also. I would have liked to have seen the video, honestly. It would have been I, such a cool video to see. Yes. Also, like, I've seen you excited during, like, regular Vikings games, and the noises you make are, like, subhuman. Like, they, they're... <laughs> You like so I can only imagine you you would look very strange, you know. I mean, yeah. I've watched football at my friend Morty's for many years, and you're the only person and like the volume's on like a hundred out of a hundred. Remember, watching at three in the morning and he has children. <laughs> so like the no one has ever complained, a neighbor's never complained, no one's ever complained except for the time you were there where his wife, who I've never heard like ask anybody to do anything in ten years. It's like, uh, hey, you piped, buddy, you gotta, you gotta pipe. To down. be you fair, like, the, if you remember that game, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, yeah, they were playing the Broncos. They're driving to uh, win the game, and Teddy Bridgewater gets sacked in field goal range, strip sack, fumble to lose the game. Enjoy him, Carolina fans. Yeah. Um, okay, so it's obviously it's the Minneapolis miracle. There's so many versions of this. Obviously, the local announcer, yeah, Paul Allen, is phenomenal. But we're gonna watch Buck. Buck does a really good job on this one. Yeah. Dig sideline touch on unbelievable. What else you need to say? Um, yeah, I've, I've seen this so many times, and uh, I'm looking. This this version that you've given us, which is the NFL.com version with 5,548,414 views. Yeah, mostly you. I'm responsible for – I mean, I'm, I'm responsible for literally 200 for sure can of this. I, can I tell you what I did today? My son uh, – mm-hmm. I've talked about my son has – his best friends are twins who are Yankee fans. Yes. And it, today was their birthday. He invited them over. Yeah, and he, he invited them over and, and had a thing. And they came to my room, and I didn't really want them in my room, and I figured, like, oh, how can I get them to leave without, like – Starting to, like, uh, threaten to punish them or whatever. So I'm like, hey, guys, come look at this. Uh, let, let's see if there's any Mets-Yankees clips. And I, like, searched for uh, Mariano Rivera blowing leads against the Mets. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. do you know this guy? Like, Mariano Rivera is the best pitcher in Yankees history. Let's watch and see what happens. <laughs> and then it's like, one. It, he blew a one nothing lead. It was a regular season game towards the end of his career. It's like, oh, my God. Like, Rivera, he never gives up a hit. Then, like, another hit. Then, like, Lucas Duda knocks in a couple runs to win the game. And they're like, no, 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 now show us uh, a clip of 
the Yankees beating the Mets. So I'm like, no, nah, I searched. There are none. Like, I don't think the Yankees have ever beaten the Mets because they're <laughs> first graders. Like, how are they going to argue? With yeah, they're dumb. Um, but uh, and then I found like Piazza hitting a homer off R- Rivera in the World Series. Like they and, the, and so then finally, like 20 minutes later, they figured it out. They came they came back to me with like, hey, we found the Yankees beating the Mets. So I'm like, all right, get out of here. Yeah. But uh, it's fun to troll uh, seven year olds on their birthday. Oh. Um, all right. So for those who have been living under a rock or are new to this podcast, uh, the context here is, you know, the Vikings have just had endless playoff miseries, obviously, my whole life. This game, they're winning 20 to nothing at the half or was it 20 to three? No, Twenty to three, I think. By the way, the, the top the top comment on this YouTube video, the real miracle was Joe Buck actually made a great call. Three thousand yeah, unfair. Votes. Joe Buck is great now. I, I, I love Joe Buck. Um, all right, so yeah, so the context here, so the um, so they've blown the lead and the Saints take a twenty one to twenty lead. The Vikings get the ball back with two minutes to go, yeah. and Kai Forbath hits a fifty three yard field goal. Kai Forbath, who led the league in missed extra points that season, the clutchest kick in Vikings history, fifty three yeah. yards. Uh, to give them a 23-21 lead. Um, but, of course, it doesn't hold because the Saint Breeze drives the Saints down the field. Michael Thomas gets a big catch on third down. They get into field goal range. They kick their own field goal. And so it's 24-23 to Saints. Imagine with... being a Saints fan. What? Imagine being a Saints fan. Yeah. Um, yeah the loss this, this first, year was even This stupider. is the first of, what, three years in a row that they lose a game on the last play of the season? I mean, the loss this year was just objectively stupid. But listen, they, won, they, they stole a Super Bowl in 2009 from the Vikings with cheating. So shut mm. the fuck up, Saints You don't fans. care, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully Greg I, Williams will steal another Super Bowl this year. I have zero sympathy. But um yeah, so it's twenty four to twenty three Saints. There are ten seconds to go in the game. The Vikings are on their own thirty nine yard line. Ten seconds uh, to go, no timeouts. So right, all the all the Saints have to do is tackle them anywhere in bounds and the game is over. What the Vikings need is a twenty five yard reception and get out of bounds all in less than ten seconds to give Forbath another chance at a fifty plus yard field goal. So that's that's what they're trying to do here. They're on the and, thirty, uh, aren't they closer to the forty? They're on the 39-yard line. Oh, yeah. 39, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, 25 yards would yeah, give you about a 50-yard field goal. Yeah. Okay, I guess 20 yards if you want to try, like, a 50 Keenum's going to try to work the ball on the boundary. Keenum steps into it, passes, caught, digs, sideline, touchdown, unbelievable, Vikings win it! Marcus Williams here. He has a shot. I'm not sure really what he's thinking, Joe. He comes in. He's got him dialed in, and he just all he's got to do is make a play. And even if he catches it, you tackle him in bounds. The game is over. And I know Diggs. He's he's catching this. He's expecting somebody to hit him, and he turns around. Heck, nobody's there, and he's off to the races. And it's pandemonium. 61 brilliant yards for Stephon Diggs. And Case Keenum has just taken the Minnesota Vikings to the NFC Championship game in a game. It's also bittersweet looking at Diggs' face now. Uh, yeah, imagine being so loathsome that you make the greatest play in franchise history. <laughs> You're still in your prime, and they ha- you basically have to be given away because every single person on earth hates you so much. <laughs> it's... His, it's unbelievable. I don't know. I mean, he's gone to Buffalo. The weather's worse. The quarterback's worse. The offense yeah. is worse. He's yeah. going to be miserable there. I mean, he is the number one guy. He doesn't have to compete with Thielen, but yeah, man. But uh, compete with Thielen? Like, that was helping him. He, was getting, he wasn't getting double covered. No, out. absolutely. Absolutely. 
he's a great receiver. He drops the ball a ton. Um, you know, again, he's he's responsible for the greatest moment of my life. So I'll I'll forever be indebted to him. Except yeah. that not because the next week they you know they go to Philadelphia as favorites, take a seven nothing lead, and then blew it. So, but um. Yeah. You know, dig sideline touch on unbelievable. Great call by Buck. Yeah, very memorable. Memorable. Everyone knows the call. Um, yeah. Okay, let's go. We're going to go a little longer for number four. It's our top college basketball moment on the countdown. Um, just completely crazy. I have to admit, as you could open this video to one thirty. So uh, Villanova leads North Carolina by three points. I have to admit, um, like a lot of the college basketball championships since I have moved. They do not start until, uh, you know, 4, 10 a.m. my time, and it's tough. I've fallen asleep before or during a lot of the college football and college basketball championships, even though I'm able to watch an incredible amount of college sports here because the time difference is so great. You know, noon starts on Saturdays. For me, 7 o'clock, it's so easy to watch those games. I stay up for the NCAA tournament, but unless my team is in the championship, and even when UConn was in the championship, I actually fell asleep, but luckily I had a way to watch the UConn-Kentucky game without getting spoiled. So I did not watch this live, which is one of my bigger sporting regrets. Um, but uh, were you watching this game live? Do you remember? Yes, of course. Yes, I remember this. All right, so one we're going to go for two minutes here. Tell me when to press play. It's Barry. Who had the hot hand from three in the first half. They're going to have to do something from the outside now. It's Page off balance. Puts it Think, think about how famous the Chalmers shot is, and this is so much better than the Chalmers shot. Yeah. Like, if they if it just, just forces overtime like that shot did, and, and Villanova doesn't win. I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, shit on page here. It's obviously, like, a legendary, amazing shot. But it's not like, oh, what a great two-point shooter. It's a double clutch. It's a lucky shot. Oh, yeah, no, if he misses this, it's like, oh, that was an incredibly stupid shot. Yeah. Oh, there's Michael Jordan. <laughs> yeah. All right. Absolutely bonkers. A double onions call. Double onions. We got onions on both, on both teams. And then he and then he starts getting to like if the onions are fried. It's so annoying. He's too, he, he gets too meta with the onion stuff. Is there any time? What is the time left? How would there be time left on the clock? He releases the ball at point five. How would there be time left on the clock? I think he meant is there time left when he shoots it. I don't think he meant after the shot. Great call. Who's that? Grant Hill? Who says, like, watch Jenkins. Like, he saw it before anybody did, that the play was designed to go to Jenkins. So, great call by Jenkins while everyone else is just Yeah, it's a design play. Things. It's a great play by Yeah, by yeah great play. Right. Yeah. All right. So, let's get to number three. Uh, yeah, this one makes me happy. This is probably the one of the 50 that I've watched the most by far. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I famously watched every mo Other than Shabbat, I watched every single moment of the 2010 World Cup. Mm -hmm. I would I it was the summer after I finished law school. Mm -hmm. I would wake up at nine fifty five every morning. You married yet or no? 
Yes, I was married. Um, I was living in Einstein. My wife is back in school. I'm ostensibly studying for the bar, which means I would wake up at 9.55 every morning. Uh, the yeah. first game started at 10. The next game started at 12. And the first four hours of my day was watching World Cup every day. It was great. So I watched everything. So the U.S., you, you, why don't you set this one up for us? Okay, so it's the third of three games in the U.S.'s group. Um, what's the group? The U.S., Algeria, England, and who's the fourth team in that group? Uh, Slovenia. Right? Yeah, Slovenia. Uh, Slovenia, they had trailed 2 nothing and they tied 2-2. Uh, England, they had drawn 1-1 with an own goal. And so they had two points, and they needed a win here. Uh, a tie would not have done it because they only would have had three points, and the U.S. would not have gone through. I think it would have been England and Slovenia who were playing concurrently. And now we're uh, basically 90 minutes into the game, and an atrocious Algeria team who barely tried the score was happy for some reason with a 0-0 draw even though it would probably have not have done anything for them based you know d- depending on how england slovenia ultimately was going to shake out uh they they had one they had one shot that like sort of accidentally hit the post but if i remember correctly they they were did not threaten really the whole game uh they played you know uh really bunkered down on defense so the u.s had very few scoring opportunities and uh finally they get a little more aggressive in the 90th minute and tell me when to press play to guardiola who plays it deep saifi with a header Howard gratefully claims it. They get a legitimate shot at goal. Very close. Yeah, Algeria almost scores there. Things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross and Dempsey's denied again. And Donovan has scored. Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA. Certainly through. Oh, it's incredible. You could not write a script like this. Yeah, the scripts I write, they friggin' have offensive fouls and in the games. <laughs> I gotta say, I've had goosebumps watching every clip today. Yeah, no, they're great. They're great. Yeah, this is a goosebump. My goosebumps live. I spiked my daughter Adira watching this. I was so excited, running around the house like you a crazy spiked person. Her? I spiked <laughs> her onto the bed. I like slammed her like she was a football. It was great, and she liked it. Yeah, I was holding See, her. The, the, with, with, with big Vikings moments, that's backfires me because I'm so excited that I, I sometimes get a little too physical with the kids and I hurt them. Yeah, you gotta be careful. And Dempsey is denied. Dempsey has the chance. Yeah, it gets stopped by the keeper. But you got to control that rebound. It's crazy because Algeria, like, just had 10 guys there all game. And then they're like, hey, let's try and win yeah. this for one minute. Yeah. Yeah, Donovan. Why would you want him at the next World Cup, freaking your yeah. Why would you bring him? You're a moron. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's incredible. Ian Dark is the best. It's sad that ESPN yeah. lost the World Cup uh, because there's no more Ian Dark. Um, yeah, Landon Donovan. Uh, right, I'm now, tr- instead of a number two and a number one, you have two calls tied for number one, which is, it's the same call. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a it's a legendary call, and then a, a sort of a, a repeat reference to the call uh, twenty years later. Yes, yeah. I, I figured if I had a three, a two, and then a one A and one B, you'd be like, well, actually, ten is yeah. eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I didn't I didn't want to do it. Uh, number two, somehow I I think there's no home favoritism here. We have two pro Minnesota calls in the in the final five. Not a yeah. bad look for, for Alex C. Yeah. I, I had no input on this. No, no input. All right. Tell me when yeah. to press play. All right. So we'll just, just with the context here, it's it's the 1991 World Series, mm-hmm. the uh, which when ESPN ranked all 100 World Series is a few years ago, they ranked it the best World Series of all time. Mm-hmm. And considering the fact that it's not too historical, it's not like the Yankees against the Cardinals, I think that's even more impressive. Because if it's the Yankees against Cardinals, it'd be number one by ESPN. Yeah, there are very few. Uh, Kirby Puckett's really the only superstar on either team. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Terry. Well, so these were two teams that had been last place teams the year before. Yeah. So nothing's expected of them. 
Terry Pendleton is the MVP of the NL. No one's ever heard of him. Um, the Braves have, you know, Tom Glavin and John Smoltz. Yeah, but they're not they're, very, they're not Glavin young. and Smoltz yet. Yeah, they're not Glavin and Smoltz yet. They're very they're 22 and 23 years And they don't right add Maddox till when, 93? Yeah, Maddox is still on the Cubs at this point. It's Steve Avery is their other young star. Yeah, pitcher. Avery's their third star, and, and I believe their fourth star is Lee Brandt, who's going to be on the Hill yeah. uh, in, in Game 7. Yeah, uh, no, in, in this yeah. in this clip, I'm saying in, in excuse me in in uh, in in the 11th inning or wherever this is. In yeah, game, yeah. In game so so the, yeah so so the series like the 87 series, uh, the Twins won every single home game and the and then the and then lost every single road game. So the Twins take a two nothing lead in the series. Eight year old Alex goes to game one, is sitting next to Gary Gaetti's father. Gary Gaetti hits a home run in that game. Um, or not next to, but like you know, like a ro- like right near him, and he's like, oh, that's my son, that's my son. And then they like come interview him like like later on during the game. Um, anyways, um. The, they go into Atlanta, they lose all three, so they come home down 3-2, and Kirby in the locker room, in the clubhouse before the game, says, get on my back, guys, I'm taking this one. He steals a home run from Lonnie uh, Smith uh, in like the sixth inning of this game, and almost, by the way, doubles off the runner on second base, because he also has a great throw back into the infield, or first base. Um, he has a double, he scores a run, I think maybe he has a triple in this game, so he's like two for four, and it's coming up to bat in the bottom of the 11th inning. Um, also, important context here is that Bobby Cox, who will become a Hall of Fame manager, this is the first of, I think, 14 consecutive years that the Braves win their division. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So they go worse the first, but then they win the division 14 years in a row. Bobby Cox has a lot of bad moves in this game. Charlie Lee Brent is a slow, soft-tossing lefty. And he's throwing against, like, and he's facing, like, the heart of the Twins order all righties. So it really doesn't make any sense why they send Lee Brent I don't out. remember who else they had in the bullpen. Uh, but, so I know, just listened to a re uh, like a podcast where they watch the, like my twins podcasts like most baseball podcasts have nothing to do right now so they're mm-hmm. rewatching old classic twins games and talking yeah. about them. The Braves had other guys in the bullpen, and even even if, so, basically I think it, it doesn't make any sense what they're doing here. It, 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 you uh, the explanation probably is that because they had gotten there because Lebron had already warmed up that you can't warm a guy up three times and then sit him down. Right, and so. On the previous inning, I think the previous inning, the Twins had had two guys on base and then it hit into a double play to end the inning. So they probably assumed when they had when they were getting ready for Lebron at that point that maybe that you know that because after Puckett and I think Davis, I think then they get Herbeck, who's a lefty. So you bring in Lebron for that, that's fine. Um, I'm getting confused now, but anyways, but the point is that Kirby Puckett had batted something like 450 against uh, lefties uh, that season. And so he comes to bat leadoff in a game where he's already had one of the greatest defensive plays in World Series history, and he's also been most of the offense for the team. It's the 11th inning, and uh, let's watch. Into deep left center for Mitchell, and we'll see you tomorrow night. Jack Buck. Are you watching this game? The reason, part of the great reason this World Series is so great is four of the games went to extra innings. All of them ended on a walk-off because, remember, the home team was winning every game. Yeah. And, my, you know, I was eight years old, so my bedtime was earlier. So for each game, I'd renegotiate with my parents. All right, I get to stay up early, uh, to watch the rest of this game. Then I have to go to bed early the next three nights. But then the next game, we go to extra innings. All right, the next four nights, the next five nights, the next six nights. So by this point, I owed my parents like two we weeks of early them. bedtimes. Yeah. Yeah, but they never made you go to sleep during a game. No, my parents let me watch my dad. I don't think my mom was involved. I'm trying to think if my parents ever made me go to sleep during like a big sporting event. I do remember one time, I don't know what I did. Maybe it was get a bad test grade. I remember one time I had no TV for like a week or something in like eighth grade-ish. That's the only time I ever remember like not being allowed to watch TV um, in general. All right, uh, the, the Braves relievers were Jim Clancy, Kent Merker, Alejandro Pena. 
So uh, Pena was great that year, actually. I think uh, Pena actually got suspended at some point. But Stanton and Wollers were the were. I mean, Wollers wasn't Wollers yeah. yet, but Stanton was. I, uh, I, I could speak intelligently about this because I did listen to a podcast in the last month specifically discussing this in detail, but I don't remember anymore. Time. Mm-hmm. Do you remember pre-quarantine even? Yeah, not much different for me. No. <laughs> I guess that's true. I'm especially now, like, the kids are allowed out again. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Stanton and Pena had already come in. That's why That's why they didn't. Uh, they, had, they, they, had, they had a lefty who hadn't pitched yet. I mean, a, a righty, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Everyone else was righty. Wollers is a righty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They Sinclair, had somebody. I think, is a righty. Um, yeah, Lee Brandt's literally – he's a soft tossing – he's the worst possible pitcher to throw up there. Yeah. I'm surprised Avery only went uh, 83 pitches, six innings in that game. Avery was my favorite yeah. of the Braves pitchers. I was rooting he, incredibly hard for Yeah, he was for me for also, Braves. actually, funnily enough. First of all, because well, – I, I don't know why anymore, but I just remember he was my favorite. Yeah, um, I, but I, I was rooting for so hard for the Braves in this series. I don't know why, as a Mets fan, I shouldn't have been. Uh, do you remember who pitched Game Six for the Twins? Game Six, yeah, I think it was Erickson. Yeah, Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson, yeah. More. Yeah. So then, of course, the Twins win. We'll see you tomorrow night, as Jack Buck famously says. The next night, uh, one nothing. Jack Morris pitches a ten inning complete game shutout, and they win one nothing in the bottom of the tenth. Uh, a game that's legendary for. Uh, then that's the game John Smoltz pitches. John Smoltz, who grew up in Detroit. And his favorite player was Jack Morris, you know, in the 80s, the the, the Tigers pitcher throughout the 80s, of course. Uh, they match up in game seven. Uh, he, Smoltz pitches well, but he gets taken out, I think, in the seventh. And uh, Lonnie Smith, by the way, who I mentioned previously, Lonnie Smith with just an incredible brain fart. He is on first base on a double deep to uh, left center mm-hmm. in the, I think, in the seventh inning or so. Should have easily scored. Uh, but Knobloch and Gagne at second and short do this fake little, like they pretend to be fielding the ball as if it's grounded to them, yeah. and Smith freezes. And Smith's freezing doesn't make any sense, because even if they have the ball, why would you stop running? It doesn't make, yeah, any, it doesn't sense. make any sense. But, it just but he stops, stops running because you know, he loses track of the ball. He thinks they have the ball. By the time he figures it out, he can only get to third, where he gets stranded and never scores. And, of course, no one scores. It goes to the 10th inning. So, uh, can't believe we had a, like World Series games where like Scott Leis and Junior Ortiz and Greg Gagne and... Uh, well, Belly do you remember Arden. who the hero for the Braves was? Belliard and Lemke were uh, well. Mark Francisco Lemke. Brera. Mark Lemke batted four hundred something in that World Series. Yeah, Lem- yeah, Lemke was one of the great second basemen in history defensively, but couldn't hit. Um, uh, are you being sarcastic? Lemke was a nothing. No, no, no uh, defensively, he's like uh, he's like uh, an amazing second baseman. There, Lemke's not on my chart of the top one hundred fifty second baseman of all time. I think I think Bill James. I don't think he had a long career. Um. I would guess Lemke played like started 120 games fewer than seven times. Yeah, I remember. I remember from Baseball Abstract. Yeah, that he has he six Mark war Lemke. career six war. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, what did I say? 120 games fewer than seven times. Let's see. Um, yeah, but he has a negative hitting war. It's all in. It's all in fielding. Let's see. He he yeah. He had four seasons. He had four seasons with 120 games. He had, but there's so many fair, slap had, hitters in that. People forget about Ron Gant. Sid Bream, I think, has been lost to history. What do you think Sid Bream's doing nowadays? Well, Sid Bream, of course, has famously scores against the Pirates the next year. Well, for the Francisco Cabrera. On the Francisco Cordero play. Yeah. Uh, that, oh, so I fell asleep. Or did I? I don't remember. I think I, I don't know if I fell asleep before the Francisco Cabrera play. Yeah, the defensive numbers don't love Mark Lemke. I'm not sure, you know. Uh, yeah, Bill James liked him. I don't know. But again, that, yeah, was, this, that book was written uh, 17 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah, he finished. He did finish. He finished in the top 10 in the NL in defensive war three times. So that's fine. He was he was an okay second baseman, uh, um, but yeah, but this is he never hit. We talk about Mark Lemke's defense. Yeah. All right. So that so that's number one A or one whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Which means everybody knows what one B is. So we've had a lot of Joe Buck and Joe Buck uh, 
has another chance to mirror his father here, Jack Buck, because it's another game six of the World Series that is also an extra innings. If you were repeating also- your dad's most fa- famous line, what would it be? <laughs> Alex, you're my third favorite son. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right, so I hated this one at the time because I thought, like, how dare you, like, you know, try and, you know, crib off, like, one of the greatest calls of all time. Sure. But I think it's it's a father. It's a son honoring his father. Yeah, so, and not, by the way, yeah, Jack, Joe Buck, if you know anything about him, he absolutely worships his father. Absolutely. Um, yeah. His dad must have had him very late, right? Because Buck is not an old man, uh, Joe Buck. I would guess Joe Buck is 51 right now, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah? So, his, I mean, his dad had to be at least in his 40s, no? Unless Jack Buck died young. Yeah, I think he's thought. So their his podcast is called Daddy Issues, or and he, they talk about that. Mm-hmm. His dad basically took him everywhere, you know, like took him to the games and took him into the clubhouses, and yeah. So his dad was the Cardinals announcer forever until he became a national announcer. Yeah, he died in so, '02, so he he died relatively young before he was eighty. He, he was born in '24, okay. uh, so he'd be ninety six right now. All right, so why don't we uh, get to the number one clip? So yeah, he was, four, he was forty five years old Cardinals when he had, when he had Joe Buck. Same situation. Game six. Once again, the uh, the home team is losing three to two, so they need to win tonight and then play again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's an extra innings, and David Freeze comes up to bat. Oh uh, yeah, but uh, not exactly gonna be a as big a legend. There's gonna be a little Kirby foreshadowing Punk. first on this cut clip. Yeah, and this is by the way, this is exactly this is twenty years uh, exactly since the uh, Kirby Puckett uh, call. How many World Series game sixes have ended with a home run? This, by the way, is the 63rd Game 6 in World Series history out of a total of 107 World Series. I remember one, working it with your dad in 91, Kirby Puckett, Jack's famous call. We'll see you tomorrow night. There's one inside, 2-0. <laughs> Nothing else. We'll see you tomorrow night. Okay, here we are. 11th inning again. Hits it in the air to center. We will see you tomorrow night. So this was fun. Yeah, that was yeah. A, that was a fun. Exercise. Uh, the, the Braves winning a World or the Cardinals winning a World Series game. Eh, I don't care, but you know, whatever. It's 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 jo- it's Joe Buck honoring his father, so that's fine. Sure, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Yep, that's true. All right, so next week uh, we're gonna get into the Mount Rushmores for every single city, the four most mm-hmm. important sportsmen from every city, in uh, Alex Chester's opinion. How many cities do you have? Is it just the four sports cities? Yeah, it's any city. No, no, it's any city with any team in any of the the big four sports. Can we get a London big four also? Can somebody give Alex the London big four? Yeah, if a listener wants to send me in. Somebody wants to yeah, send submit in. me. Who's the, who's the, yeah, who are the biggest Melbourne. four athletes from London? Melbourne big four. Melbourne, yeah. I think we're going to have uh, uh, Shannon Gus next week. I don't know if she lives in Melbourne or Sydney, but the Sydney big four. Well, so are you excited for our... Uh, just a couple of weeks. Are you excited for the return of uh, of beloved footy? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna be we're gonna be really into footy. I'm excited to be able to. I'm so excited to be able to delete this tab, which I've had up for months. <coughs> the uh, the 32 fan sport. I'm gonna delete it right now because I I have so many tabs on Chrome that it goes all the way down. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, that's crazy. Like First it's of almost. All, that's crazy. I, I have like I close all my tabs every night. I go through what I need and I only leave open. No, no, no. no. I'm sorry. Book. I, I don't mean tabs. I mean bookmarks. I, I don't. I don't. I, uh, I don't uh, leave any tabs open. I mean bookmarks. Right. People me. who say they have 50 tabs open, I don't understand. Like your computer's slow and you can't even find the tab you want. Chrome you can't doesn't work. Yeah, Chrome doesn't work with like more than five tabs yeah. usually. And I know because sometimes so. I'll open 50 at a time, but yeah, then I close them as quickly as I can. No, I never really have more than five or six open at a time. But mm. I, I meant bookmarks. I have so many bookmarks and. Summer permanent. I get excited, like, ooh, sweet fantasy football ended. I get to like delete that bookmark. Anyway, it's a my, it actually life. had a sad moment. My phone said to me today, uh, "Do you want to create some space and delete some apps that you haven't used in at least seventeen weeks?" Yeah, and one and was fantasy football. All those apps, they were all the NFL. Yeah, all my fantasy apps and all my NFL apps. So I said, "No, I'm keeping these apps. I'm hopeful, but you know, who knows? We'll have some kind of football in September." Yeah, I'm excited for football. I'm not super pessimistic about about things right now. I'd say I'm pretty optimistic. I don't know about you. Uh, I I just don't think baseball is going to be able to make it happen logistically. But I think past that, baseball should be fine. Also, it's one of the examples where the media is kind of dumb. The league said by late July. I don't think that means that they're starting late July. I do think they'll probably start like closer to July 10th, 20th, not like the very end of July. If you read it, it's just like we can't. We just sort of need to start by the end of July. So I do think if there's no hiccups, there's a good chance we're going to get. And the NBA is going to start with the playoffs, right? Well, no. They've talked about adding, like, five regular season games. I mean, the teams like the Warriors and the Spurs have, like, openly canceled their seasons already. Like, Kerr said we're in off-season mode, I think. And yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing. Alex Chester already did all his end-of-season uh, chart updates. A big problem. It would be a big problem. So for, for them to have to reopen the season and an extra yeah. five games Incredibly could affect rude, on the yeah. margins – a guy yeah. moving from the third team to the second team, or you know, it would cause complete havoc for me. So I really hope it, they don't. The regular chaos. season should be in the books. Let's go right to the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. They don't have that much time. You, you gotta, you gotta it, get going. There's, in neither conference do we have a team one or two games out of the playoffs. Even They're it doesn't even make any close. sense. No one will really compl- like. Who's going to complain the most? Who's it's in cause, the ninth? It's because they don't want game one to be a playoff game where everybody shoots, you know, thirty percent. I sort of get that. You could probably do two exhibition games. I think, and and you know. I just don't. Once you bring people back for the regular season, how many games is it? You're going to have two regular season games? Yeah, what's the point? They can practice. Don't... Practice for two weeks. What's the difference? Yeah, practice. Have scrimmages against other yeah. teams or, or interest squad. Like, yes, the first round will be bad, but what, what are you going to do? Listen, the, the quality of play is not going to be super high. I think we're all, we all have to, like, get used to that. Yeah, you know what? None of us will care because anything is better than nothing. Yeah, we so. won't even remember. We, won't, we literally won't remember. I'm excited for basketball. And, I, and this, the, if you don't start with the playoffs, you can. You can get out of football's way, you know, a, a little bit, and and then start the season reasonably on on December twenty fifth. I think. Yeah. Like also if you once Christmas. you go closer to October, you can't just restart December twenty fifth. It's not soccer. Then you're talking about like Martin Luther King weekend at, at the earliest. Yeah, I think the twenty 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 one season is going to be less than eighty two games, which is fine. You you think the next season? Yeah, I think the next regular season is going to be less than eighty two games, which is fine. I don't think it has to be. I think if, if there's no more stoppages, I, I disagree. If there are zero more stoppages, I do think it'll be 82 games. I just think yeah. they will they will have to. Doctor Jen thinks once. things are going to be much worse in the fall. Oh in boy! Terms of the number of, in terms of the number of deaths. Now, the, the, the I just the said like I just said because we're more. We're I just more said I'm optimistic, now. and now we have a freaking doctor saying it's going to be much worse in the fall. Well, no, she thinks more people are going to die. Why? Because of. But she doesn't think it's going to be. It's not going to be the chaos of now because you know we're more prepared for it now. But does that mean there's not going to be, like, they're going to cancel, like, sports are going to stop again, she thinks? I don't think she knows or cares about sports. <laughs> sounds, I haven't even asked her that. Sounds not cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith, let's go. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Hey, feeling good, like I should. When in the walk around the neighborhood.
Every day can be a better day despite the challenge All you gotta do is leave it better than you found it It's gonna get difficult to stand but hold your balance I just say whatever cause there is no way you're around Everyone falls down sometimes But you just gotta know it'll all be fine It's okay Sunday bed. 